Hey everybody, welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul and Aaron is unfortunately unable to join us for tonight. It is episode 117, uh, so I'm going to try to make this one quick and painful. I'm sorry, uh, painless is what I meant to say. Painful was the uh, the whole week that uh, we're going to be talking about here. So let's just jump straight into it and uh, get this over with. Uh, yeah, so against Anaheim, a 4-1 loss again, a team we should have beat uh, that we should be uh, dominating, really. This is a team that's at the bottom of the standings. And although we are as well, again, this is a team that's five points out of a playoff spot, the San Jose Sharks. Uh, and they just, they they need these points. Uh, they, they needed all of the points that they could have possibly gathered in this past week here. And unfortunately, the week prior was not much better. So uh, really blown opportunities here, especially with the teams uh, around the San Jose Sharks not really winning games. Uh, they could have really got some ground and and put themselves in a position to be in the number four spot. So um, just really a very disappointing uh, last couple of weeks, really. But this game against Anaheim in particular, you were hoping for a bounce back. You were hoping for them to kind of rally around the, you know, the troops here. And uh, it just did not happen. A four or one loss. I could take something a little bit tighter than that, maybe. But um, to, to lose by that margin... Uh, just not acceptable for a team like this. Uh, before I move on, I see uh, Super Producer Jason put down here, like, subscribe, ring the bell. Yes, of course, if you are enjoying the show or if you have enjoyed previous shows, please make sure that you do like, hit that bell, and subscribe to us because uh, when you do subscribe, of course, you know when we're going live, we can get some comments flowing in the section. I don't imagine there's going to be many comments because uh, there's not a whole lot of people um, that are really interested in talking Sharks hockey right now, which is kind of a bummer. Although Keith here does uh, throw one in there, says, Hi, Paul, hope you're all well. Keith, I hope you're doing well, too. Uh, if you watched uh, these games this past week or two, uh, you're probably doing about as poorly as I am. But uh, there you go. Also, by the way, if you uh, want to take pity on the show, I'm, I'm sorry, if you want to uh, support the show, uh, feel free to use that super chat function. I will go ahead and read your comment off. Uh, as well as our Venmo at the Fin Factor, if you would prefer to do it that way, so that uh, Google uh, doesn't get a portion of that. That's totally fine too. Okay, so let's move on here. Three-two uh, loss, not tonight, but last night to the Minnesota Wild. Kane had a nice shorthanded goal, and I had said this in in a tweet, and I'll say it to you guys now: the penalty kill for the San Jose Sharks looks actually more offensively deadly or dangerous, I should say, than the power play. Uh, the power play is, and we've talked about this before, when a guy goes in and is carrying the puck and he does that little drop back pass. And I think a lot of people don't like that. Um, it's just kind of what everyone does now. I get it. I think some other teams have figured out how to kind of defend against that because they almost had somebody floating behind uh, the puck carrier so you can't even drop it off anymore. So um, I, I really do feel like the Sharks just have not worked on their power play zone entries whatsoever. I think they always work on being set up in the zone and that's all well and good except that you have to get into the zone before you can actually set up. And it seems like the Sharks are just not able to do that. However, on the penalty kill, uh, we've seen a little bit more hustle, a little bit more movement. We've seen chances. We've seen shorthanded opportunities. And, of course, in this game, we had a shorthanded goal from Evander Kinnam. For the people that just stopped in, I'm talking about the first game against Minnesota, of course. I'm going to flip through these uh, comments here real fast. Uh, hey, guys, <laughs> hey, guys, who are you? Uh, I'm... Paul, it's nice, nice to meet you. Uh, and then Matt Lowe says, I'm just speechless after this past week. Just the past week or the past couple of weeks, Matt? Because I, I feel like it could be uh, more than, than just this past week. Uh, and then Noah Claxton, the cool thing you guys should do is do draft talk once uh, season is over. And like looking at the top 10 prospects since probably getting a top 10 pick. Hey, we're probably getting a top 10 pick. I'm totally cool with that. Having said that, I don't know that Aaron and I really know enough about the prospects to be able to speak intelligently about it. Uh, we can certainly read a prospect, uh, like a report, 
Um, we can read the, um, you know, the, the draft guides and that kind of thing and kind of relay that information to you. But it's not something that uh, we are watching, uh, you know, all of the WHL games or all of the uh, NC2A games, you know. So we don't know these guys and their abilities on a personal level. We would be able to flip through the same information that you guys would be able to flip through. So there you go on that one. Uh, anything is possible with the lottery, Matt. 100%, but uh, hopefully we we get uh, something for the atrocity that is this season. Okay, uh, I will get to that question maybe a little bit later there, Brian. Okay, so uh, tonight's game, 5-2 loss. Uh, the one positive coming out of this, if there is one positive, obviously, Patrick Marlowe ties Gordie Howe's record for uh, most games played in the NHL at 1767. Uh, there was a nice picture of the puck. Had some white tape around it, black Sharpie, and they said, uh, now that's a nice tape job, obviously, kind of a, a jab at some of the pictures that you've seen maybe of guys who tape their sticks up a little awkwardly. Uh, so it obviously, it's him saying, nice tape job. They got the tape around the puck. So, yeah, it was really good for Patrick Marlowe uh, to be able to, to hit that record tonight uh, or at least tie it. Um, we'll talk about later on in the game to come, him breaking that record. Uh, hopefully, there's a better showing for him. You would think that, a game like tonight, they would come out all you know guns blazing, but it just wasn't the case. So it's unfortunate. But again, congratulations to Patrick Marlowe. And if you've seen any of the interviews, I would, or if you haven't seen any of the interviews that he's done recently, I would highly recommend you take a look at those because he's been talking a lot about um, the people that helped him get to where he's been and the amount of games played. He's had lots of things to talk about that are very interesting, and and him thinking back to when he just jumped into the league for the first time and. Uh, the, one of the most um, uh, amazing things for him was when he got through training camp and they gave him some of that money up front so that he could uh, purchase, you know, things that he'd always wanted before he had money. Right. So um, really kind of interesting just hearing those stories. I definitely recommend you guys go ahead and take a look at that. Um, it is really good stuff. Okay. So Meyer and LeBanc during this game were demoted down to the fourth line. Um, I don't know if they were demoted down to the fourth line so much as they were just centered by Shellman. Maybe Shellman, uh, kind of got bumped up and they just were, uh, repositioned alongside him. But for all intents and purposes, yes, he was essentially on the, they were both essentially on the fourth line. Um, and you know, I, Bob Bugner took a question afterwards to asking about them being moved down. And he said, yeah, they're, they're his words. Uh, they were both horrible in the first period and they didn't deserve to play in the top nine. So um, that's, you know, say what you want about coach Bob Bugner. But that's one of the things I definitely respect about the guy is that he's not worried uh, about the perception of maybe pushing guys down. It's kind of like the same thing as uh, John Tortorella, right? He doesn't mind benching a guy who's a, a big name roster player. If you're not playing well, then you're not going to play where you're supposed to be playing in that top six, top nine, top line, top whatever. Um, I'm going to either bench you or I'm going to put you uh, on the fourth line where it looks like you belong right now because this is the way that you're playing. So, uh, you know, good on him. I, I, I like that out of Bob. I think he's done a pretty decent job as a coach. You can only do so much. And in fact, one of the things that he said uh, during his interviews tonight was, you know, I can do the, I can control the things that I can control. I can control ice time. Um, I can control how we try to relay that information to the players, either live on the bench or, you know, after the game is over or before the game, during practice, those types of things. He can control that, but he can't control what the players are actually doing out there. So when they're having their mess ups and they come back to the bench, what he can do is control their ice time. And that's exactly what he did uh, with Kevin LeBanc and Timo Meyer, basically putting them on the fourth line. Now to Kevin's credit, he did assist on 
uh, Joel Shellman, Yoel, sorry, Yoel Shellman's goal that made it five to two. So <laughs> I hate to say maybe this is where Kevin LeBanc belongs because he doesn't really belong there. He's just playing about as good as he as a, a fourth liner maybe would right now. He's not doing the things that Bob Boogner wants him to do. Uh, so being up against their fourth line, you know, that line matchup, maybe that's part of why he was able to assist on that goal. Uh, although, again, that fourth line, Minnesota says they don't call it a fourth line. Uh, it's just the line that Zach Parise plays on, right? Who would have thought, by the way, Zach Parise, a guy who went in the first round and was a staple in uh, you know Minnesota's lineup for a pretty long time now, uh, that he would be relegated down to the fourth line there. I guess he's just not been playing very well at all. So uh, still, that's a very good player, and it's a guy that Kevin LeBanc was matched up against, uh, and they were able to get a goal out of it. So, um, you know, again, some kudos there for Kevin, but for the majority of the game, just not playing very well. Timo Meyer, same thing, not playing very well, not really taking the puck to the net, still trying to play the perimeter game. I don't know why. Uh, and Brett Hedekin said it many times too, shoot the puck, not just Timo, but other guys on the team. But, you know, obviously we're talking about Timo right now. And that was one of the things that, uh, that Brett Hedekin wanted from Timo was shoot the puck. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Noah Gregor gets a shot on the top line. Uh, when, when LeBanc got vacated there, uh, I noticed that it was, uh, Gregor playing alongside of Couture and Kane. And oddly enough, Gregor actually had some chances. He brought some energy to that line. He was skating hard, moving his feet, banging some bodies, um, some of the things that you see Evander Kane doing, obviously not as skillfully as Kane, but I think he did bring some energy to that line, which was uh, kind of nice to see. I don't expect that he's going to stay there, obviously, but um, you know, you as a coach, you give these guys the opportunity to get some more minutes to play with some better talent, and maybe that lights a little spark underneath them, right? Maybe they go, "Oh, geez, I, I, he's he's calling on me." to be on this top line here. You know, I, I gotta, I gotta show up. So maybe they, uh, they come with a little bit more gusto. Uh, so, you know, good on Noah Gregor for doing that. Also, uh, he was on the top power play unit. Another guy that was on the top power play unit was Mario Ferraro. I think this was in the third period. Um, again, Bob Boogner just kind of saying, well, if you're not going to play there and you don't belong, I'm going to shuffle guys in that are working hard tonight. Mario Ferraro got the call. Um, so it was nice to see him get an extra shot there. Uh, Cause you don't normally see him obviously with guys like Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, uh, they're going to soak up the majority of the minutes there. So uh, any other defenseman on this team is usually not going to be able to get uh, the time. So, uh, you know, good on him for getting called on, stepping up and uh, being able to get those minutes. Now, I do see we have some super chat here from Ben Melgren. Uh, ben, thank you so much for the $1.99. Do appreciate that. Uh, may as well play Gabriel and VL on the same line. Hey, that is something that the broadcasters have been talking about. They said if they ever put those two guys on the same line, watch out. I would be all for it. I mean, at this point in the season, kind of who cares, right? You may as well. Just go ahead and mix whatever guys in that you want. Give whatever guys the playing time that you think they deserve. If it's a guy that maybe has impressed you in the past, throw him in there. See what happens. Who knows? Um, even if you don't win the game, give him some experience, and uh, you, it might surprise you. And if anything else, maybe it's a guy that you know he'll show you something for a, a resigning of a contract or perhaps – a trade in the off season. So uh, it could be beneficial to give some of these other guys a look. Scouts are still watching. So uh, yeah, thank you for your comment there. Um, Caretaker wanted does say Bugner keeps it honest. No need to sugarcoat things. Uh, I, I do. Uh, I do agree with you on that one, obviously as with what I just said. So um, we're, we're right there. You and me, uh, Noah Claxton saying you can't coach effort, you know, in some ways you can, but um I think that for me, you know, the effort was there in some spurts, but at the same time, it wasn't coordinated effort. 
And it wasn't, uh, it was like working harder, not smarter, I guess. I don't ever want to say that these guys are not putting the effort in because you, I, I mean, I've heard these guys after the post games, you know, it's not like we're not trying, we're trying, but sometimes when you're trying harder is when you're making most of your mistakes. So there are times where they're really trying to focus on doing the right thing, but that screws them up a little bit more for some reason. I don't know why either they're chasing the puck now because they're trying to do too much uh, or whatever the case may be. So, I mean, I don't want to say that the effort's not there. I just think that they're not working smartly, if you will. Um, smartly a word? I think it's a word. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, those are the comments. Thank you for those comments and for the super chat, Ben. I do appreciate that. I want to say one more thing about tonight's game. Uh, Kevin LeBanc was asked afterwards uh, by, by me, actually, uh, when you, where your game isn't where the coach would like it to be. Um, obviously, you speak with him, but do you also go to the veterans on the team for some guidance, right? And actually what he said was kind of interesting that he doesn't have to go to the veterans. The veterans actually come to him uh, or they see to go come to you. I don't want to say they just come to him. It's anybody who's having a hard time. The veterans tend to go and, and do that. Uh, and he says, that's what makes them the veterans. They say, you know, keep your head up and keep working, those kinds of things. Um, it's not so much the kick in the pants that we all think that the players would would give each other that, hey man, you suck tonight, right? It's, it's not so much that. It's a little bit more of the, hey, you know, we all have bad games. It's the way that you rebound. Let's go ahead and try to rebound. You know, if there's a way I can help you with that, you know, let me know. And then that's the things that makes them those veterans on the team, the guys who have been there, done that, had bad games and wish that they had somebody maybe come to them and say that, or maybe they did have somebody come to them and say that. And so they're just paying it forward, right? Um, so that kind of speaks to me about the culture in the locker room. We've talked about this before, and there's a lot of speculation that the locker room culture has gotten better um, I think this is just one example of that, right? These veterans coming up to these young guys who are having a hard time and they're saying, Hey, you know, you can do better. Um, I can help you do better. And we know that you're capable of doing more of this. Don't get yourself so down. So, um, I, for what it's worth, I think there's some good things about culture in the locker room. We'll get to a little bit more about uh, about that later on because um, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys kind of what I think about the, the team and what I think maybe should happen with the team, um, which kind of contradicts what I just said, but that's okay. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Paul with the light flex. Kevin LeBanc was asked by me. Lucky. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I forgot that it was because I was there was other quotes in here that I had. Uh, the, the They were both horrible in the first period quote from Bob Bogdan. That was from somebody else. So uh, I forgot that I was the one that actually asked this question, but I have it in there uh, saying that I asked. So, uh, but yeah, I'm flexing on it, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, there you go with, with Kevin LeBanc. Um, I think I saw an, an, something in here saying Kevin LeBanc needs to be traded, but uh, where is that? Oh, trade Meyer and LeBanc at the draft equals profit. I'm not sure how much profit it really comes down to, to be honest with you. If these two guys are kind of uh, slumping pretty hard right now, I, uh, I mean, they're good players. Don't get me wrong. And teams would love to take them on. I, I absolutely agree. I think you might be selling them at a little bit of uh, an undersell of what you could have sold them at uh, kind of more in their height. Now they are younger players and they're still going to get better, obviously. Uh, but I, I think that if you try to sell right now, uh, teams might be looking at them going, well, I don't know. They're not really having the best season. So um, who knows? Uh, Le- bankrupt. Thank you, Lundy. That is phenomenal. Uh, you got to highlight that one, Super Producer Jason. La Bankrupt. Oh, that's phenomenal. Thank you, Lundy, for that. Didn't even have to put the Super Chat up. I will call that one out all day long. Okay, speaking of slumps, by the way, uh, we've got some key players that are are not really scoring. And, of course, the, the depth is, is having a hard time, too. 
So, you know, when, when both of those things coincide, it's a recipe for a disaster. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about the key players because those are the guys that are expected to put up some more points. Um, I'm going to start off here with Logan Couture, unfortunately, the captain, not having a good stretch right now. Um, 14 games now without a goal, including tonight's game. Um, and he's just as frustrated as anybody else. I had asked him, I think previously, and this is not me flexing, it's just that I asked him, um, you know, what What do you do, essentially? What can you do to get yourself out of a slump when you're in one? Uh, do you try to put more pressure on yourself to score the goal, or do you find something else that you can do on the ice? And I feel like the way I worded it was almost a little condescending because I said, or can you do something else on the ice, right? Um, what I meant to ask him was, or do you, you know, try to be better defensively? Do you try throwing your body around? Do you try finding that that open pass more often? Or you just simplify your game? Do, do you focus on winning faceoffs? Right? We talked about uh, Jamie to Jamie Baker about this, and he said he would run hills and everything else. Then he would just try to win that one shift or that one faceoff. If he couldn't score, he would find something that he could do. And that's the way I meant to word the question. I don't know if he took offense to it or not, but uh, his response was. If you figure it out, you tell me. <laughs> and then that was it. So, uh, yeah, um, didn't mean to uh, get that in your face, Logan. That that wasn't the intent. But, man, he threw it right back at me. So, there you go. Um, another guy, uh, Brent Burns, he scored tonight. Um, it was his first goal in 23 games, though. Now, I'm not expecting Brent Burns to score lots and lots of goals here, okay? I would like, you know, the assist. That's fine. But... For for an offensive defenseman of his caliber, and especially a guy who scored plenty of goals uh, in a in a particular season before, to have just one in twenty three games, that's kind of slowing down the offense right from the blue line. Now, now you've got Eric Carlson who's been putting up some goals, and he's got five on the season right now. But you know that was kind of the whole point of having Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, especially running their own power play units, was to bring that offensive prowess from the blue line. And you're not really seeing it. And so when you're not getting that offensive prowess from the blue line and the key guys are not scoring, save Evander Kane. Evander Kane's been phenomenal. I have nothing bad to say about Evander Kane. Uh, but the rest of them, it seems like there's, I don't want to use the word streaky, but it seems like you can't count on them to put the puck in the net. You can't rely on these guys to put the puck in the net, unfortunately. And really, Logan Couture right now has kind of joined that club, and so has Brent Burns. So I'm hoping to see a lot more from any of these guys. Uh, any of them happen to wake up. Again, uh, uh, Kevin LeBanc, a Timo Meyer, even Tomas Hurdle. He scored a few goals in the last game. But again, you can't really rely on the guy right now. Um, and he's been down on himself too. I looked at some of the stats and it didn't look so bad, so I didn't want to put it up. But I do remember one of the goals just kind of bounced off him or something was the case. He didn't really score the goal. So um, I'm sure that one didn't feel great. But hey, okay, it went in and I get counted for it. He did have a goal the other night, and I'm sure that one felt really good because he just blew it past the goaltender. Uh, but, you know, I would like to see a little bit more out of all of these guys because, unfortunately, you're not seeing much out of any of these guys. When you're losing games by scoring one goal, no goals, two goals, uh, there's not a whole lot of offensive prowess going on there. So uh, you would hope to see a little bit more uh, going forward, even if they don't win the game, even if you're hoping that, you know, we go into the draft and have a lottery pick you still want your team to kind of show up, right? Um, although you got a lot of people that want it both ways. They want to tell you how bad the team is, uh, but then they also want the draft pick, but then they're upset that the team is so bad. You pick one, right? So uh, regardless, I don't know if we've got Super Producer Jason. I know you highlighted something earlier that I didn't mention, 
I'm about to change topics. If there was something there that you wanted me to talk about, please go ahead and highlight it. Otherwise, I will dig through. Oh, bankrupt. Thank you. I will dig through. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Let's highlight it twice. Uh, Noah Claxton, I don't think teams would try to trade up this draft too unpredictable with COVID. That is interesting, actually. That's very interesting. I think some teams would try to trade up uh, only with uh, those picks that are kind of um, maybe that second, third rounder and then try to get up like much higher. And then a team who's unsure about their first round pick wouldn't mind having two picks a little bit later on. Because as we said, we feel like in this draft, some guys are going to kind of get shuffled down uh, and, and not seen by these scouts because they haven't had as many games played or they haven't had as many opportunities to see these guys. So we think there's going to be deeper talent spread out. Not that this is going to be a deep draft, but that there's going to be more misses in the early round and there's going to be more hits in the later round just because they're not going to have the full scouting report on all of these guys. So, hey, maybe it makes sense. You got a late round first versus you get like a mid-round second and a mid-round third. Maybe it makes more sense for these guys to go for the second and the third, get two hits on a, a potential a player, a potential prospect that might have gone earlier had all the scouting reports been done by all these other teams on these guys. So maybe it does make sense. Who knows? Um, but that's a good comment, and thank you for that. Uh, Lundy, my phone isn't letting Super Chat work. Lundy, you have uh, obviously done uh, so many Super Chats. You probably broke it on your phone. Uh, but, I, hey, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate that uh, you're, you're planning on doing that. Uh, but don't forget – Instead of constantly hitting us with the super chat, you can go to the store, pick yourself up some stickers. Uh, I bought a car today. I, we don't sell cars, so I, you didn't go to the Fin Factor store for that one. But hey, congratulations on the car. Uh, and yeah, maybe hold off on the super chat because you've got car payments now. But uh, thank you, Lundy. We do appreciate that. Congrats, Patty. Remarkable achievement. Yes, Garth. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, it, it's it's just insane to think that we're witnessing uh, this history right now. Imagine being back in the day of Gordy Howe and watching him set this record, right? Um, that's, it must've been one of the most amazing things, right? To be able to see this guy do that. And we're in history right now. We're watching this happen in front of our eyes right now. So uh, just really interesting stuff. Um, and sorry, Lundy, you call out here. You need decals. Apparently we need decals for his car, Super Producer Jason. Uh, you can get a sticker, throw it on your bumper if you'd like, Lundy, but uh, there you go. So <laughs> good on that. Okay, big news with Santa Clara County. SAP uh, to allow some fans into SAP Center for these upcoming home games. Now, uh, in order to do that, uh, the first home game that they're going to have is going to be nothing but player families. So if you're watching and you are a, a family member of a player, please get us an interview with your player. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, if you're not, though, which I suspect you're probably not, uh, then you will have to wait until the second game at least. And there are a few things that uh, must be in place. One, you either have to have recently passed a COVID-19 test, which I believe, don't quote me, but I believe that they are selling that uh, quick test out in front of the arena. Th that might be wrong, so don't quote me on that. But uh, maybe look that information up for yourself. Unfortunately, I can't do it right now because I'm flying solo. But you will have needed to pass a COVID-19 test or have proof of full vaccination. So if that's the Johnson & Johnson, which by the way, I heard bad things about the Johnson & Johnson. So if you're scheduled, just be a little bit wary, do a little bit more research before you actually go through with it. But um, it, it, the full vaccination basically would mean, uh, the, like for Pfizer, you would need your second shot. Okay, so uh, either that you passed the test recently, which is probably two weeks, uh, or that you have proof of full vaccination, one or the other. The other caveat to this is that, and it's the most important one, Pay close attention. You must 
want to go to the game. Uh, not many people are going to want to go to this. So it's unfortunate because they're opening this up now when this team is uh, kind of in the dumps. And, I, you know, Aaron actually typed this note in here for me. Um, yeah, you kind of need to want to go to the game. I don't know how many people are actually going to want to go. Um, and in fact, let's go ahead and do right now a roll call. Tell us where you're watching us from and tell us if given the opportunity, even if you're not in San Jose, let's pretend for for a minute here that you were taking a trip to San Jose, you were staying in the hotel, and you wanted to go to the game because of it, right? Um, right now, the way this team was playing, would you still want to go to that game, okay? Uh, people living in San Jose, given the opportunity when they open it up, are you going to try to go to that game? Um, I'm just interested in what you guys have to say about that, actually, because for me, I would still want to go to the game, but it's certainly not like a priority. I have a nice big TV and I've got a family that needs me sometimes at home. So uh, it doesn't really make sense for me to, uh, to go out to the games anyway. But I don't know. I'm kind of up in the air. I would love to watch my team play, but gosh, they're just horrible right now. So I don't know. Money saved. So who knows? Anyway, please put that uh, in the comment section there. I see we've already got a couple of them there. Super producer Jason will take care of that. Oh, there it is. Numerous COVID-19 safety protocols will be in place, including the requirement that all fans 24 months and older must bring proof of negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours before the game or proof of being fully vaccinated. My bad, it's not two weeks. It's within 72 hours, so three days, okay? So if you're getting your test done, get your test done so that you get the results uh, within 72 hours of that game should you want to go. Uh, the Sharks are offering two options uh, for testing at the arena, including complimentary PCR tests between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. at the arena on non-game days and rapid antigen testing before games for a $50 fee. So if you show up early, a couple games or days before the game, they'll do it for free. But if you want it done uh, at the game, they do do rapid testing. It does cost $50. Now, I got a rapid test done when I went to the first home game of this season, first actual home game in SAP Center, and not the ones that were played in Arizona. And they did that for free because it was like media folks and whatnot, and they just needed people to get in there to, to be able to do it. So they weren't going to charge the media folks 50 bucks. But um, you can go, again, the day before, two days before, whatever it is, get that done, and then you don't have to worry about paying that 50 bucks. If you forget, hey, it's 50 bucks. If you really want to watch your team play, there you go, and they'll have it done for you. Now, from what I remember, that testing actually took about 30 minutes or so uh, to, to get the results. They have an app on your phone, and um, you just kind of sign in, and it showed you everything. Now, they may not do that for you guys, but for the media folks, they had you, you had to have the app. Um, I don't know if they'll do that or not. Uh, Super Producer Jason, was there anything else on there that I didn't get to read? Do you want to throw back up and I can put it? Oh, you got to make that bigger, but my eyesight is not that good. Um, so <laughs> if you could put it a little bit bigger, I will read it. There it is. Okay. Other protocols include the requirement of face coverings and ban on most bags, including purses and clutches. Of course, we know all about that. Uh, you have to have your face covered, not with a little um, ventilation thing, the out-breathing thing on it. It's got to be a full face covering. And then, of course, the bags have to be the approved clear bags so that they can see through to make sure you're not bringing anything in that you're not supposed to be bringing in. Um, diaper bags and bags carrying medical necessities would be allowed. That's interesting. Okay. Citing current state guidelines, consumption of food and beverage is only allowed in designated areas and not in the seating bowl or in suites. Okay. So you're going to have to go to specific areas within the arena to eat. Uh, so don't bring something in uh, food-wise, trying to sneak it in, thinking that you can eat at the seats, they might toss you out of the game. And then you're out the ticket price and the $50 um, rapid testing. So don't do that. Uh, yes, Lundy, the more you know. I don't know if we can get one of those real quick before my finger goes across. The more you know. Never mind, we can't do that. Okay. Um, we've got 
Yeah, okay, the SAP stuff is done then. So, um, hey, Super Producer Jason, were most people saying that they would? Yes, always have to support, um, unless it was a special event, the Patty celebration. Okay, so you would go for that? Uh, absolutely, I would totally go for that. Uh, if they're playing the Kings, but <laughs> they're done with them for the year. Um, I drove to Phoenix a few weeks ago, watched them lose. Uh, just love hockey and the Sharks. I love that, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, I got Pfizer. No, not going to the game this season. Hey, man, Keith, I don't really blame you. You know, there's... Uh, some folks are just, I just don't care. I just want to go watch my team play. Some folks are a little bit more like, you know, I just don't see the point. So, um, again, like I said, I got a nice big TV. I'm happy watching them there. Um, now I had talked about team culture in the locker room a little bit earlier. And, um, (laughs) it's funny for me to bring this up now because (laughs) I'm kind of at the point now where, and and everyone's going to say this, see this the wrong way. Um, listen to me, hear me out. Okay. I am ready for the fire sale at the draft, okay? I'm ready for it now. Um, and the only reason I say that is not because, oh, this team sucks, that we need to sell everybody off, Carlson's terrible, and Burns sucks. Nah, that's not the case, okay? Um, the reason I say that is because this is now the second season with the same core and the same blue line uh, of Eric Carlson and Vlasic and Brent Burns, these big names, big contracts. It's the same thing with them where they're just not able to put it together. So I think it's safe to say moving forward, you're kind of going to get more of the same. The experiment was a great idea. It was a great thought. Unfortunately, it just doesn't seem to have worked. And to try to force it to work is kind of going to be, well, it's insanity, right? It's doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So I'm kind of in this boat where I feel like I'm ready for the fire sale. Okay. I'm okay with the fire sale. So now this is something that's totally doable. And I'll tell you why these are players that are prideful and they want to win. Okay. If they see that they're going into the next season with essentially the same core, because all we're doing is a little reset. Eric Carlson said it himself. I don't want to be playing on a team that is going to be going through a rebuild. That's not why I came to San Jose. Right. Uh, and, and fingers can get pointed at him. I know Scott, uh, John Scott was one of the guys saying, Hey man, it's your fault. It's your fault that we're going through that. The sharks are going through a rebuild. You taking all that money on and, uh, you know, commanding all that cash, all that cap. And of course they're not going to be able to sign these other guys to make them a good team for the depth that they need. I don't know that I necessarily hundred percent agree, but I guess what I'm saying is if, if he feels that way, let him go. Like, let him, let him walk. You know why? Not walk, trade him uh, if somebody will take him. But the reason being is if, if he doesn't want to be here and it's not working out with him on the team for the past two seasons in a row now, to think that the third season is all of a sudden going to be different for, for him as well is kind of insanity too, right? So if he sees that you've got the same core, you've got a couple more role players, do I really want to be on this team anymore? Okay, fine. Then maybe give him the opportunity to go somewhere else and get all that cap back. Same thing for Brent Burns. Does he really want to be on this team still? For Mark Edward Vlasic, even though he's got a big contract, does he really want to be on this team still? And if not, hey, maybe let these guys go and then start an actual rebuild, right? There's only a few guys that I would really want to keep on this team. And it's it's not big name guys, apart from Vander Kane. Now, I'm 100% okay with Kane. And it's easy to say that, obviously, because the guy puts up. He puts up goals. He puts up hits. He's uh, uh, He plays in all situations. He plays in the power play, plays shorthanded, five on five, and he thrives in all situations. He's not been in the penalty box for a very long time, and even when he has, it's been in longer stretches that he's been in there, right? He hasn't been sitting there for long amounts of time. 
And the guy's right. I brought it up in a pre or a post game uh, interview with him. I said, you know, isn't it nice having a guy like Curtis Gabriel in the lineup to take those fights for you? And he says, I don't know why everybody thinks I fight all the time. I averaged two fights for my entire NHL career. I looked it up. He's right. He only fights two times a season on average. So I don't know why everybody thinks he fights, including me, uh, why he fights so much. But uh, he, he doesn't. So he's just in the box for, for hooking and tripping and everything else. Although, again, recently he hasn't really taken those penalties. I think he's matured a lot more as a player. So I wouldn't mind keeping a guy like Evander Kane, of course. And he's got term on his contract. Yes, he's valuable to the other teams in the NHL, but you've got him for term. I would love to keep Evander Kane around. Uh, another guy I wouldn't mind, Mario Ferraro. I mean, not even that I wouldn't mind. I simply would not let this guy go. Uh, I'd pay him whatever he thinks he's worth. If it's in the $5 million range, okay, I'm cool with it. I think Mario Ferraro is a phenomenal talent. He's only going to get better. He's young. He's got all the aggression in the world. He's got all the jump in his skates. Uh, this is a guy that keeps moving. He will just not stop. Um, if there's a loose puck, he's after it. And if he's not after it, it's because he's gassed. That's the only reason I've ever seen him give up on a puck is he's gassed. He doesn't even give up. He pushes as hard as he can, and he just can't move. So I'd be okay, uh, not even just okay, I would demand uh, keeping Mario Ferrar around. Another guy, another defenseman, not one of the three you're thinking of, uh, Kanijov. Uh, I think Kanijov is phenomenal. I think he's a guy that can play in a in a top four, potentially, given another year or two maybe of NHL action. I think right now even he's doing a great job. I've got no problem with Kanijov. I think he's great. So um, there's a couple guys that I just wouldn't mind keeping. Uh, I would like to have uh, no matter what the circumstance. But the majority of them, Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc. I, I'm not going to say Hurdle just yet, uh, and I'm not going to say Couture just yet. Uh, but pretty much anybody else, I'm okay with letting them have an opportunity somewhere else and taking those picks and rebuilding your team or taking the amount of money that you give out from your cap and telling these other guys, hey, let's build the team, right? These free agents. Let's put together a good team. Um, it happened before with Minnesota, actually, with Zach Parise and, and Ryan Suter. Uh, these two guys that were available, they talked to each other and they talked to Minnesota and they said, we want both of you guys on this team. And, you know, maybe it didn't work out for them, but, I mean, those are two guys that were were high uh, profile players that got sucked into the same team. And it was kind of like collusion, right? They were all talking to each other during that thing. So who knows? I mean, you know, maybe the Sharks could build a better team out of free agency and some draft picks uh, and some trades uh, as opposed to having the players that, that they've got right now that are just not playing up to their potential. Again, Kevin LeBanc is one of those guys. Timo Meyer is definitely one of those guys. It's not playing to his potential. He's not driving the net. I would love to see him do that. If he would drive the net, he would be a menace. Um, and one of the things that Aaron and I talked about in the offseason was maybe picking up a Wayne Simmons. Everyone wanted Wayne Simmons, and Aaron and I were saying, no, don't do that. Why? Because you've already got Timo Meyer. He's the same guy. He's the, the big power forward who drives the net. I'm, we were wrong about that. He's not driving the net anymore. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, definitely I wouldn't mind uh, seeing this team kind of get dismantled a little bit more um, than just going through a reset because I feel like at this point, it's the same core for the past two years to go into a third season with that same core and just to uh, refresh the periphery of that core. It's insanity. So um, Aaron, um, <laughs> Aaron put a, a YouTube link in, in this, uh, in our little, I don't know, document here. And he says uh, it's, it's a video to the hives that says, hate to say, I told you so. Aaron, I hope you're watching this right now because uh, I don't know what you're saying you told me so about because I never said this was going to be 
a playoff team were going to rebound. I said this team might accidentally make it to the playoffs. You never know. And quite frankly, they're still only five points out of a playoff spot. I'm not rooting for it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying keep the faith. I'm saying they might accidentally still make playoffs. Who knows? Um, I, again, I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, there you go. So uh, I don't know what you think you're telling anybody, buddy. Uh, and you can watch the same show that I've been doing because uh, we, we've got all of them uh, recorded. Anyway, uh, I don't know if there's any more comments here. Dump Bugner, he's the problem. Oh, man, how long is interim? John, I don't know if I agree with you on that one, buddy. Let's talk about the beginning. Actually, let's talk about the end of last season and how uh, the, the team seemed like they were going a little bit of an uptick defensively when Bob Bugner took over. Um, let's talk about this season, the beginning, with no training camp, no rookie camp, no preseason, no uh, playoffs from the previous season as kind of like a preseason, right? Uh, they didn't have any of that. Uh, they jumped straight in away from home, away from San Jose, uh, playing in Arizona's barn. Uh, there's a whole lot of weirdness going on for San Jose. I know there's a lot of weirdness going on around the league too, and I know that's probably going to be your next point, but I think the Sharks had the worst out of the most of those guys, at least in the Pacific, or I should say the Honda West division. So uh, I'm, I'm not really ready to pin this one on Bob Bugner. Let's talk about, again, this season so far, beginning of the season, with all those things in place, they really weren't that great of a team. They were still learning the system. The first 20 games were like preseason. The first 20 games were like the training camp and uh, and them learning uh, that system again with new players, with young players, players that were used to a different system and having to relearn what the coach Bob Bugner wants from them now because at the end of the last season, it was really just tweaks, not his own thing. Then you've got the whole assistant coaching staff, uh, the associate. So there's just way too much flux in the coaching staff uh, for the beginning of the season. I think – um, where they've come uh, in terms of playing defensively. I think they've gotten to a better place. Obviously, this last stretch here, not a good example of it, but uh, I think they've certainly done a, a lot more um, in terms of looking better as a team, as a unit uh, in the last part of the season as opposed to the beginning part of the season. And I think a large part of that has to do with Bob Bugner, his system. And again, I like that he's willing to sit guys or push guys down to the fourth line when they don't deserve the top six minutes as we talked about with Kevin LeBanc and Timo Meyer uh, getting shoved off uh, tonight uh, on the, uh, the fourth line there. Uh, Brian says, why was Leonard not playing? You know, honestly, I don't know why Leonard's not playing. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him again. Uh, I think some of the guys, again, Aaron and I have talked about this before. There's kind of that revolving door uh, for a lot of these players. So you get guys that are on the taxi squad, get pushed to the Barracuda, get a chance to come in, and it just kind of keeps cycling. Sharks have played a lot of different players this season. The same thing happened last season. A lot of different guys got thrown in the mix. So uh, maybe it's just his turn to have a seat while somebody else gets an opportunity again. Yoel Shulman stepped in today, scored a goal. Good for him. Um, do I expect him to stay there? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Noah Gregor stepped in. He played well, I thought. He had a lot of jump to his game, especially when he got put on the first line. So some good things happening there, but I think, you know, all in all, again, there's going to be that revolving door. Guys are going to get cycled in and out. You're not always going to play a John Leonard because you think he's your best opportunity uh, to, to maybe get the win. You're going to get some guys an opportunity, a chance, uh, even though you are fighting for those points. Uh, let's see. EK65 could easily be replaced by most defensemen right now. 
yeah, I think on the stat sheets, at least, yes. In terms of Ross skill, I think you still see a lot of times where he does dangle that puck around and, and just confuses people. And that's something that I don't mind out of him when he's able to, to, to pull it off. When he's not able to, obviously, it's a little more glaring because he's trying to do something fancy and then loses it. And it's one of those things you can obviously point to and say, oh, he's terrible. But I think on the most part, um, you know, Eric Carlson has still a great amount of skill and he's probably just as frustrated as everybody else. So I don't know that I, I pin it on any one guy necessarily. He does have his blunders uh, just like anybody else. Uh, and of course, with the $11.5 million price tag on him, those blunders, um, they cost you more. No pun intended. There you go. Uh, Paul, what do you feel about, uh, what do you feel about us up against VGK? You know what? I'm going to jump right into that right now. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate the segue, buddy. It's almost like you're doing better than Aaron. Okay, uh, next games on uh, Monday against VGK, Vegas Golden Knights, 7 p.m. This is a very important game, not because uh, the Sharks may win or lose, but because Patrick Marlowe will be standing alone atop the NHL's most games played list. Uh, this is the game, and I expect uh, nothing but good things from the Vegas Golden Knights um, in terms of you know, the fanfare, uh, them showing off uh, maybe a clip here or there of him putting something up on the screen for him, uh, honoring him. I, I hope that they do something uh, big for for a guy who plays for uh, the the rival uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know if they really consider us a rival so much as we consider them a rival. I know both fan bases certainly hate each other uh, a whole heck of a lot, but uh, I think they're they're too far above us to really consider us rivals. We, they kind of just stomp on us, and that's okay. Uh, once we return to power, we will see. I can't wait to see them fall from grace, by the way. Oh, it's going to be magnificent. Uh, the fan base that they have, uh, everyone's just going to go, see, tall jets, been been coming. Um, but yeah, so 7 p.m. Monday. Uh, and then, of course, Wednesday against Vegas Golden Knights at 6.30 p.m. That one's a half hour earlier. So both of these games actually a little bit earlier than is usual for a Sharks game, uh, apart from tonight's obviously in Minnesota. But normally they play 7.30 for uh, the Vegas game on Monday, 7 o'clock, Wednesday, 6.30, okay? Uh, so be aware of that. Don't miss the first period, um, especially on Monday's game, because I'm sure they'll do some sort of a tribute for Patrick Marlowe. That's going to be the main thing I'm looking forward to. I think Keith was the one that asked about it. How do you feel about us? Uh, yeah, honestly, I, I'm for me, this season is pretty much over unless you see in the next, like, three, four, five games straight, they catch a lucky bounce, and they start climbing back up again. I just, I can't see it. I just can't see it for a team to lose against these teams that they are ahead of in the standings, that they should be beating the standings, that they're more talented than. Um, it just does not bode well. And when you can't beat Minnesota either, Minnesota's a good team. Don't get me wrong. But when you can't beat Minnesota, it doesn't bode well for you to go up against Vegas and think that you're going to win because Vegas is even better. Uh, so I, I don't know. I just don't see our chances of making playoffs. Uh, very high right now. So uh, in terms of what I'm looking for, I'm just looking for effort. That's really all I'm looking for out of uh, the Vegas games. I'm looking for the Sharks to come out with a solid performance, not necessarily a win, not necessarily goals left and right. I want to see effort. I want to see fight. I want to see that out of the young guys, Uh, the veterans on the team. um, For them, I I kind of feel like you're going to get what you're going to get out of them. Um, but the guys like Timo, the guys like, who is a veteran really in this league now, I think, but the guys like uh, Timo, the guys like Kevin LeBanc, the guys in the revolving door, right? Yoel Shellman, uh, Noel Gregor, if John Letter gets the call to come back into the lineup, uh, all these guys, I want to see them step up and not necessarily score goals, mind you, 
but I want to see them put the effort in. I want to see everybody on the team looking like Mario Ferraro. There it is. That's what I'm trying to get across. I want everybody on the team to look like Mario Ferraro. Has Mario Ferraro scored many goals? No. Has Mario Ferraro gotten many assists? No. Is Mario Ferraro the flashiest guy out there with sweet dangles? No. Is Mario Ferraro the hardest working guy on the ice every single shift of every single game for the Sharks? Absolutely. That's what I want. I don't really care about where it leads. I want the work ethic. Because you can build off that. You can build off of the work ethic. So um, he's a guy that, and even Bob Bugner has said it before, you know, uh, if any young player in the league or who's aspiring to play in the NHL, um, even guys in the juniors, guys playing, you know, Bantam that wants to see the right way to play. You look to Mario Ferraro. He's, he's the guy that'll show you exactly what it takes to be a part of an NHL team, to work hard every shift, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the score. Um, I, I think he's, uh, he's definitely a role model for this team and for all the younger guys that are out there. So there you go. Uh, and then of course our next show will be on that Wednesday. We're showing 9 15 PM start time for that show. Uh, hopefully that is late enough for Aaron to make it. So I don't have to talk for 45 minutes straight, but hopefully you guys have enjoyed, uh, not listening to Aaron. Uh, I, I, what I mean to say was listening to me for 45 minutes. I'm just taking my jabs while I can because he's not here to defend himself. And that's when I'm at my best. Okay. So let's take a couple more comments and then we'll go ahead and close, bring back Aaron. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Uh, <laughs> those, uh, let's see. Uh, Boogie demoted uh, LeBanc and Meyer to the fourth line. Yep. Scott, we talked about that. Scott says those useless clown, clowns are garbage. Right now, I have to agree with you. They've been very, very bad. Um, they're not useless. They're just garbage right now it's unfortunate if they played the way that we all think and know that they can play it'd be a different story but unfortunately what we're getting right now is as you said caca uh so vegas fans will become seattle fans soon i don't think so i think the vegas fans are are very well tied to vegas and they're prideful of their team and all that jazz i think seattle fans will become the new annoying in the nhl if they're anything like the vegas fans there you go my take on that one uh lebanc should never should have never gotten a new contract. That was <laughs> was terrible. The guy's a natural fourth liner playing on the top line. That's just sad. I disagree that he's a, a natural fourth liner playing on the top line. I think he's a very talented offensive winger who's just having a bad go at it right now and needs that breakout uh, epiphany of what he needs to do. Dylan Gambro was a good example of the same thing. This is a guy that was supposed to be, hey, he's going to be like the second line center of the future for the Sharks. And it just was not popping off for him the first couple seasons that he was on this team. Finally, uh, this season, he's playing in that third line center role. And I think that's exactly where he belongs. I think he's great there. Um, he's been strong on the puck. He's been working hard, throwing the body around a little bit, actually. And he's been setting up plays. Now, maybe it's because he's matched up against third line talent in the NHL. But I got to tell you, last season, him against third line talent was a nightmare. I was I was afraid every time he was on the ice even against no matter who was on the ice against him. So this season, I, I've got a lot more confidence in him, and so does Bob Bugner. Um, he's throwing him out there oftentimes at the beginning of a period. He's throwing him out there um, even on uh, power play, I think, once or twice. <laughs> and it's actually funny. Uh, one of the games, actually the, the first home game, they had a penalty kill, and they were down a defenseman, and they threw Dylan Gambrell out there on defense. I'm cool with Dylan Gamble. I got no problems with him, but that wasn't the question or the, the comment. The comment was about LeBanc. I feel LeBanc just needs that one breakout epiphany moment that Dylan Gambrell had in the offseason where he was got stronger on his skates. And I think for Kevin LeBanc, it's something that'll help him 
to just click and be a little bit better defensively, be a little bit better with the puck. Because I noticed a lot of times where he does try to, to do something fancy with the puck and it just doesn't work because it's Kevin LeBanc. Um, so I, I would like to see him maybe kind of slow the game down just a little bit and just that one light bulb epiphany moment for him and he'll be uh, good to go. Maybe a second line winger. Uh, granted, you got him saying he's a uh, top line. He's playing on the top line, doesn't belong there. I kind of agree with you there. I think uh, he's more of a second line guy, but um, who knows? Okay, Lundy, Minnesota and Sharks switch skill levels. Oh, boy. Uh, he says, is 38 better than EK65? Yes. Uh, in terms of work ethic, uh, I, I would have to say so. There's too many times I've seen Eric Carlson gliding around and Mario Ferraro does not. Mario Ferraro does not glide, I think, ever. I've only ever seen him move his feet. Um, I see too much of this uh, hunched over, bent, and stretching your stick out as far as you can to try to, to uh, push a guy to the outside uh, from, from Eric Carlson. That was a goal that happened today. I can't remember who scored it. Um, but Eric Carlson was pushing him to the outside a little bit, but he was again, bent all the way over, had to stick all the way out. And you'll remember the goal because it's the one where the, the Minnesota wild player actually clipped his skate on Martin Jones. They tried to overturn the goal, uh, but it just, it, it didn't call it. They didn't call it that way because Martin Jones was a little bit out of the crease. That goal, uh, if that was Mara Ferraro and not Eric Carlson, Ferraro would have kept his feet moving, not hunched over, put a stick out. Ferraro would have shoved him to the outside. Whereas Eric Carlson kind of, just lackadaisically, uh, just pushes him. Uh, that's kind of the feeling I get whenever I see Eric Carlson playing defense. That's the noise I make in my head because uh, that's all, that's all I get out of him. So it's unfortunate. Um, let's see. You have the better voice. Oh well, thank you. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. I missed a couple comments up here, and I see Aaron's here to try to defend himself. It's too late, Aaron. It's too late. Um, yes, I agree, Lundy. Okay, there you go. Uh, Paul, thanks for being here, Mister Consistency. <laughs> Dan, you're welcome, buddy. I, anytime I can, man. I love doing these shows, even if we suck. Uh, I love talking with you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, you have the better voice. Uh-huh. I, I hope he's talking to me. Thank you, Lundy. Uh, that big Mario energy. You got it, Ryan. I'm telling you, this guy. Ugh, it, when he gets even better than he already is, look out. Because, you again, you, you can't teach effort. I think someone had said earlier. If that's true, then Mario Ferraro's got a uh, a big step up on everybody else in the NHL. Um He's a taxi squad on first line. He's a taxi squad on first line. I'm not sure who you're talking about there. Okay, we'll pass that comment up. Uh, you're doing a great job, Paul. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate that. Uh, if we have a top five pick this year in the offseason, who do you think we should pick up? Uh, Joseph, unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, Aaron, maybe you can put that in the comment section there if he's uh, in- informed on who that player might be. Uh, in terms of what the Sharks need, though, uh, maybe, uh, again, a scoring winger. If we're getting a top five pick, uh, maybe a, a top five winger would be great. I know that there's uh, mostly defensemen in this draft that are like the top of the, the cream of the crop, if you will. So uh, I don't think we want to pick up another defenseman, to be honest with you, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Um, not first line guy, but I'll give that credit of a third or maybe a cusp of a second line. Okay. Okay. So we kind of agree. Um, Aaron Scholl. Who's this guy? I've never heard him before. Don't forget, LeBanc was a sixth-round pick. Yes, I agree. He shouldn't have made the NHL, and we're talking which line he should be on. It's pretty amazing. 100%, Aaron. Thank you for that perspective. I wish you were here uh, in person to uh, give that perspective. 61 better than 65 from Lundy. Of course, he's talking about Justin Braun. Uh, Aaron, Lundy is super chat is not working, and he bought a car. So, uh, oh, he says, hi, Aaron. He already said hi to me first, though, so it's okay. Uh, Aaron, true. I always forget he was drafted so low. Joseph, uh, eating his words a little bit there. That's okay. We still love you. Uh, look who showed up finally from Ryan talking about Aaron. Thank you. 
Uh, <laughs> Aaron says, sorry, family commitments. Uh, Paul got the Iron Man streak. You know it, dude. I'm always here. The only time I was gone was when I had a kidney stone. And that was for, unfortunately, the uh, interview that we had or that Aaron had with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steph Nason, who is no longer a shark. So uh, there you go. Aaron casting people off of the team with his interviews. <laughs> Hey, uh, hopefully the shark tank, uh, if the sharks tank hard enough, uh, we get walls to that. He's a goalie. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. Although we've got some goalie prospects already that people are high on. So who knows? Maybe we don't want that. Maybe we do need another scoring winger. I think that's the right way to go, but hey, it's each their own. Um, La Bancroft is taxi squad in top six. Uh, he's in the top five, 10, the goaltender. That's the Jack's talking about. Aaron says the Sharks need to grab the best player available, period. I love it. Uh, they need a top end four, but it's mainly defensemen that are going. That, that's what we just said. Um, so, yeah, 100%. I think that they they do take the best player, but I, I honestly, I don't see them needing uh, a best player defenseman because much like the – uh, the, the Norris trophy, it tends to go to the offensive guys much like that. The top defensemen are usually offensive defensemen, uh, guys like Aaron Eckblad and whatnot. Right. So I don't know if it's a top defenseman who is very defensively minded, like a Marco Dorvelasic, and that's what the sharks think that they need more than more scoring, um, which I wouldn't necessarily agree with. Um, then maybe they'll end up going with that. Personally, I go with the guy who's got as much of a touch uh, with the puck as, as anybody um, to try to get that uh, that offensive uh, talent generating more. Uh, you guys are still talking playoffs. No, we're not. Patrick, uh, I don't know if Patrick Hayes. Oh, was Patrick Hayes the guy that was uh, I was challenging last time? Hey, uh, to come back. If Patrick, if that was you, hey, man, you win. Uh, we, we, we sucked. <laughs> so, uh, no, we're not talking playoffs. Again, Patrick, I, it's not that I said we're going to make playoffs. It's that I was saying – it's not unfathomable. And even right now, five points out, like I said before in the show, being five points out of the playoffs, they might accidentally find themselves in a spot where they don't belong, uh, which would be in the playoffs. And he also falls up with, ha-ha, cheers. Uh, yes, of course, cheers. This is all in good fun. We have no ill will or ill intent towards any of you guys. Uh, we're all fans. And um, as much as you guys want to poke the bear, uh, we're, we're okay taking it. Um, so and we'll poke you back now and then. But there you go. Uh, last comment here. We'll say from Aaron, we'll let you wrap up the show, Aaron. You'll never see a goalie play the year after they're drafted. So going after a goalie in the first round, wouldn't be wise for the sharks. Aaron, you are correct. Uh, that that's all there is to say about that. So, uh, good on you. Uh, I like when I get to agree with, uh, my co-host because it just means that we're on the right track, Aaron. I just wish you were here. The more, you know, he doesn't have the graphic. That's why he's just typing it in now. Well, you'll have to imagine that it's over my head. The more, you know, there you go. Okay. Really? I just, <laughs> I don't even, I don't get to be a part of it. I guess he just puts it over my head. Sweet. Okay. Guys, again, for anybody who helped out with the super chat or who bought a car and was not able to do the super chat today, <laughs> Lundy, um, again, thank you so much for the support. If anybody was able to put uh, their support through Venmo and I missed it, I apologize. We'll get to you the next show, I promise. Uh, and if anybody happened to visit the store, although you did miss the sale, uh, if you visit the store and you support the show that way, hey, thank you so much for that. We do appreciate it. And we're uh, happy to help you look good and look better. So uh, you can go to thefinfactor.com as Super Producer Jason has just put on the uh, the screen there. And you can pick up some hats, some shirts, <clears throat> some stickers. Uh, we're going to need some Fin Factor water uh, right after this. I can't believe I've been talking for 55 minutes straight. Um, last thing here is, again, if you like the show, please make sure you hit the like button. And if you uh, are not subscribed... 
please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Why? Because we tend to do these shows after every two game series here. And when we get back to doing normal shows, we'll do it at every weekend. But then you'll know exactly when we do go live. You don't have to try to keep track of what time the game ends and whatever else. So please feel free to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and we'll be right in your inbox uh, when you need us. And of course, we don't give you a whole bunch of garbage and junk. Guys in the chat, let them know. Do we ever hit you with a bunch of random garbage? No, we only tell you when we're going to be going live or when the next show is coming. Uh, so there you go with that. I think that that is it. Unfortunately, this show, I feel, has been better than the last two weeks of Sharks Hockey. Uh, I may be a little bit biased. I don't know. Uh, but I want to say, again, thank you guys so much for tuning in, so much for the comments and for sharing and for uh, retweeting all those things to get our names out there a little bit more this season. It's been a bad season, but we do appreciate you guys constantly showing up. And of course, we will constantly show up for you. With that, I'm Paul. For Super Producer Jason and for Aaron in the chat, we will see you guys on Wednesday at 9.15. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.